Please turn with me in your Bibles to the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 4. 2 Timothy, chapter 4. This text of Scripture before us today is Paul's farewell address that he wrote to his young son in the faith, Timothy, who had served with him like a son with his father. One commentator calls this the parting advice of an aged warrior. Paul knew that he was facing most likely his last opportunity for a word of fatherly advice to young Timothy, a man that he had personally trained and nurtured and appointed in ministry. In circumstances such as this, what will Paul say? The tone of this first paragraph of chapter 4 carries a sense of urgency about it. Paul has something important to say. His circumstances compel him to earnest concern. He sees, as he mentioned in chapter 3, apostasy beginning to overtake the society of his times. He speaks in chapter 3 about perilous times, persecutions, falling away in society and in religion. Moral degeneration had already begun in his day. And the increasing danger of deception was already slipping in among the flock of God. These bad conditions will only get worse, Paul said, as time goes on. And therefore he speaks to Timothy with a sense of urgency. He recognizes also that he stands accountable to God. That God is watching. Notice he begins chapter 4 saying, I charge thee before God or in the sight of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. He's very much aware of the fact that he is speaking in the sight of God and Jesus Christ. He knows he's about to face the one to whom he will give an account, the one who will judge his life. We know from verse 6 that Paul knows his own days on this earth are numbered and that he will very soon be answering to the Lord, the righteous judge. So he makes his appeal to Timothy on the basis of Christ's soon appearing and the judgment which follows. His words here are a solemn charge. The word charge at the beginning of this chapter is a word that speaks of a solemn charge. He's very concerned that Timothy understand this message that he has for him. And the way he phrases the sentences of the next few verses are somewhat abrupt, short statements, focusing attention attention on the heightened intensity of Paul's concern in these commands. Paul has something important to say. As the aging apostle contemplates his own near passing and the coming judgment of God, what is that one thing that most is on his mind that concerns him the most? Of all the important things in the Christian ministry, 
which he has lived and has trained Timothy to do, what is most important? What thing must define a servant's true service to the Lord? The foundation of all Christian ministry is expressed in the opening words of verse 2. Preach the word. The word preach here does not speak entirely of someone who stands in a pulpit and delivers a sermon like I do. It does relate to that, but it is a much broader term than that, for it means to proclaim a message. The message being the word. Proclaim the message of God's word. That's not a job exclusively reserved for those of us who happen to be lucky enough to earn our living doing this. It's a message for all Christians. It's a message for all of us in Grace Baptist Church. It's a message for our Sunday school teachers, for our Awana workers, for the Christians who witness for the Lord in their day-by-day lives and experiences. Preach the Word. Preaching God's Word is our primary responsibility in this world. Nothing else can substitute for it. That's why we endeavor to make the preaching and teaching of God's Word to be the central focus of every aspect of the ministry of Grace Baptist Church. We do lots of different kinds of things. We sing songs, sometimes as a group, sometimes just a few as a special. We visit with one another. We even eat dinner once in a while together. The kids do something down in the fellowship hall on Wednesday night. I think it's games. I'm not sure whether it's games or torture. (laughs) But I hear screams coming out of the fellowship hall. They're doing some sort of thing down there. And sometimes they go out in the backyard and they kick a ball around or throw a ball around or just chase each other around. Uh, We do lots of different things. But of all the things that we do, the most important thing, which is the central focus of every ministry of this church, must be the proclamation of God's word. If we do everything else under the sun, but fail to preach God's word, we've wasted this opportunity to be a church in this neighborhood. If we succeed at every endeavor but fail to preach God's word, we will not have had a credible ministry as a church in this neighborhood. Of what good is a fire department that wins the softball tournament and has the best pancake breakfast but can't put out fires? When you dial 911 and call for the fire department, you don't want to hear someone say, let me tell you about our bowling team. Or, have you been to our pancake breakfast? No, you want someone to come there and put out the fire. You'd be upset if the fire truck pulled up and bumbling and stumbling, they came out of the truck saying, where's the hose? I don't know. Where'd you put it? I don't remember. Who put the hose? Where's the hose? 
in like fashion a church or a believer individually that does not preach God's word is a failure. No matter what else we may do or how well we may do it. Paul testified about his own calling in 1 Corinthians 1.17. He said, Christ sent me to preach the gospel. He also wrote to the Corinthians in chapter 9, verse 16. Woe is unto me if I do not preach the gospel. Jesus said about himself, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Has anointed me to preach Luke 418. When Christ sent out his 12 disciples on their first official mission, he told them to preach. And the scripture records that they went through the towns preaching the gospel. Luke nine, verse six. In the book of Acts, the apostles, after being beaten and threatened by the council, rejoiced. And the scripture says they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Acts 5.42 The persecuted Christians who fled Jerusalem went everywhere preaching the word. Acts 8.4 Philip the evangelist preached the gospel in all the cities of the coastal plain. Acts 8.40 Paul and Barnabas on their first missionary journey preached the gospel in the cities they visited. Preaching the word has always been the church's primary responsibility. If we as a church fail to give out God's word, no matter what else we may accomplish, we will have failed. On the other hand, if we don't have the best facilities of any church in town, if we don't have the most exciting programs or the best of this or the best of that, but we give out God's word, we can hold our heads high in confidence that we have served the Lord in this neighborhood. God's word alone has the Power to accomplish God's work in this world. God's word is the only infallible rule for faith and practice, we often say. What does that mean? That means the only thing we can count on for what we believe, that it will always be right and never let us down, is God's word. The only thing we can count on to guide our life choices and our behavior day by day, and it will never lead us wrong, is God's word. Not our pastor. Not our teachers. Not our parents. But God's word. Not a doctrinal statement or a written dogma of a, of a denomination, but God's word is the infallible rule for what we believe and how we behave. That tells me that we need to know God's word. For in the word of God, we will find out what we need to know and believe and how we need to live and make our choices. Can you show me from God's word why 
you believe what you claim to believe this day. There will be some Mormon missionaries that will come to your door and they will tell you that believing in Jesus Christ as your Savior from sin is a good idea, but that's not quite enough for faith without works is dead. So you also need to have works, good works, to validate your faith if you want to get into heaven. Is that right? No. How do you know? God's word. Can you show me? Can you show me in God's word why you make the choices that you do with your lifestyle? Why you think that this or that is all right to do or is not all right to do? Why you think you should come to church on Sunday? Why you read your Bible? Why you pray? God's word is the witness that you give out a message from God. We don't encourage you to go out into the neighborhood and bring people to church. We encourage you to go in the neighborhood and give out God's word. Now, sometimes bringing them to church is a part of that process, bringing them to church to hear God's word. But we're not interested in building a large following in this church. Our calling is to give out the message, preach the word. God has promised to bless his word. His word will will not return void, but will accomplish the purpose for which he sent it. Sometimes we do get discouraged in serving the Lord because we don't see that it's accomplishing anything. But if we are giving out God's word, we have the promise of God that it isn't wasted. That his word is like a seed planted. It may take a while to germinate or to sprout but it will accomplish the purpose for which he sent it. Preach the word. Preach the word, Paul said. Be instant, in season and out of season. This phrase, to be instant, means to stand by, to be ready, to be at hand, be always on duty. In season and out of season. Always be ready with a word from the Lord. Be eagerly ready to give out. The word of God. Are you ready with a witness from the word of God? Is the word of God on the tip of your tongue ready to speak? I don't mean by that that you are ready to be a a pastor or a preacher in that sense. You know, ready to give a sermon. But when someone asks you. What, what, what is it about your life that's different? Are you ready to tell them not, well, I go to Grace Baptist Church, but to tell them, God has changed my life. And let me show you what he can do for you. Be instant in season and out of season. In other words, when it's convenient and when it's not convenient. We are called to faithfulness, not convenience. 
We are not called to just do what is easy, but to do what is right. And doing what is right is preaching God's word. Preach God's word. Preach it with patience, with instruction. Giving it out, as the Bible says, line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. In verse 2, Paul said, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. Patient teaching is the method of Christian ministry. Right across the page in chapter 2, Paul said to Timothy in verse 24, the servant of the Lord must not strive or fight, in other words, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. That we are to patiently instruct in the word of God, Laying it down piece by piece, piece by piece, allowing God to give a harvest of that seed that we sow. Some of you are the result of patient sowing of the word of God in the Iwana program of this church and the Sunday school classes of this church or of another church. Before you ever came here. A lot that has to do with what you are and where you are and who you are today. Has to do with Sunday school teachers. Who in the background. Unseen and unrecognized. Planted the word of God week after week after week after week. Through the years of your formative growth. So that now you find yourself able to teach others also. Preach the word. Reprove, rebuke and exhort, he said. The word to reprove is a word meaning to convict, to present evidence in a convincing way so as to convict one who is an offender. When we're in error, we need to be reproved. We need someone to give us the truth, to show us why we need to make change. When we're in rebellion, we need someone to rebuke us. When we're wavering or discouraged, we need someone to exhort us. The word of God accomplishes all these purposes better than anything else. When I was growing up, we used to have something that or the adults had something. They called it the, the Dutch uncle speech. You know what I'm talking about? When you grab some uh, offending child, you, uh, you, you just blister his ear. With, I mean, you, you, you tell it like it is. You tell him what he needs to know. And so, and so. You who are parents or were parents, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> And you that are children, you've probably heard a few of those little speeches along the way. But those speeches, as important as they may be in the development and growth of a child, they're not nearly as effective as the word of God. If we can show our children why they should do right, because it's biblical, that's so much more effective than just chewing them out. Or yelling at them. 
The ancient preacher Chrysostom from back in the, I think, the second century, he's described it this way. He said, do like a doctor, identify the diseased place, cut it out and sew up the wound. Or convict, rebuke and encourage. When there's a problem, show the problem and show why change needs to be made. If it's reluctant, the change in coming, we might need to rebuke. We may have to do some cutting out. But we need to close up the wound also with words of encouragement as we see the word of God taking effect in the lives of of one another. With all long-suffering. Now, the word long-suffering is one of those good Bible words because it... You don't even have to do much defining. It paints its own picture. Long suffering. The very fact that the word says suffering indicates that there will be some things in this world that we don't like. There will be some behaviors in our children that we don't like. There will be some responses from our fellow church members that we don't like and from others around us that we don't like. We must suffer. Suffer long. That's what patience means. Long suffering. Continuing to give the word of God even when it seems that it's not doing any good even when it seems like nobody appreciates it, even when it's been a long time since somebody said thank you, continue to give the word of God. Preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For he said in verse 3, the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers, because they have itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. If these verses mean anything, it tells us quite clearly that the opportunity for biblical ministry will be very brief. Many of you can testify to that. That before you knew it, Your children were grown and gone. And it seems like yesterday that they were the little ones running around, knocking over things, spilling their milk, causing frustration and making you want to pull your hair out. And now they're gone. Opportunities are brief. Opportunities in society are equally Brief, very brief. Eugene Peterson summarized or paraphrased this in this way. He said, you're going to find out that there will be times when people will have no stomach for solid teaching, but will fill up on spiritual junk food, catchy opinions that tickle their fancy. This is exactly what Paul is talking about here. People will not put up with sound doctrine, he said. They will not endure. The word to endure means to put up with. Or tolerate. The tolerance for God's truth will fade. Let me tell you, we are living 
in such days today. There was a time when people respected the Bible and those who delivered it. When being a preacher was an honorable profession. There was a time when you could go to someone's house and say to them, may I tell you about the Lord Jesus? And whether they were interested or not, they at least were respectful and listened. But that's not the way it is anymore. These days, there are very many people who will not put up with sound doctrine. The word sound means healthy. The kind of teaching that promotes spiritual health. If you come to them with something that tickles their fancy, or as uh, Paul described it here, scratches their itching ears, they like that kind of stuff. But if you start to give them the healthy teaching of God's word, they don't want to hear that. They won't put up with that. Instead, they'll seek for teachers that will serve their own selfish interest. After their own lust shall they heap to themselves. Teachers have it because they have itching ears. They look for somebody that will tell them what they want to hear. The devil has always made sure that there was never any shortage of unworthy preachers who will sell their service for personal gain. And we are filled in our neighborhood with such as that. People who, like politicians, wet their finger and put it in the air. See, what is it that people want to hear? We all criticize the politicians for that. But that's the way most of our churches operate today. In this country. They check to see what is it that people want to hear. And that's what they'll do. What is it that people will respond to? What is it that will get a crowd of people to come to church? And that's what they offer. The sound and healthy teaching of God's word. Is sadly missing from most American churches today. In fact. In most American churches today. If you go to Sunday school class, you don't even need to take your Bible because they won't use it. Even the teacher won't bring a Bible to class. Because the preaching of God's word has largely been lost from the churches of America today. We're kind of a a dinosaur in the religious scene of of the 21st century here at Grace Baptist Church, that we make the preaching and teaching of God's word the central focus of all of our ministries. There aren't a lot of churches that do that. But regardless of our culture and the society around us, we are admonished in the scriptures to preach the word, whether it's convenient or not convenient, whether it's popular or not popular. The time will come, Paul said, verse 3. And that time has come. That people will not put up with the teaching of God's word. When you start to give them the gospel, they cut you off. They don't want to hear that. But our responsibility is still to go into all the world and preach the gospel. 
give out the word of God. Paul said in chapter 3, verse 7, that they will come to the time when they are ever learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. There's never been a time when there were more Christian bookstores, more Bibles around, more Christian books and videos and all kinds of things available, Christian programming on television and radio, more things around, and yet less knowledge of God's Word. Instead, they will turn their ears from the truth to fables. That word fables can also be translated as myths. It's the kind of thing that has to do with the taking this the Bible and creating all kinds of fanciful things out of it, like people do with allegorical approach to scriptures, where they they read the Bible where it says, you know, Jesus walked on the water, and then they tell you what the water represents and that the feet of Jesus walking on it and and, you, and the boat represents this. And, and they end up making up this whole big story that's really interesting, but it isn't what God said. One of the students in our classes in Egypt said to the leader of our group, a year or two ago, he said, you know, here in Egypt, we used to have the word of God. Back in the first and second century, Egypt was one of the hotbeds of Christian endeavor. The Christian church in Egypt is, is one of the most ancient Christian communities in the world. But if you go into the churches, the Christian churches of Egypt today, there's no, te- no understanding of God's word. The man said, we used to have the word of God here in Egypt, but we lost it. But he said, maybe now God is giving it back to us. That was his way of saying thank you for the classes that we were teaching, because we were teaching the word of God. And these fellows are coming. Some of them are actually pastors of churches. But they have never heard anybody actually preach the word of God. Just preach it for what it actually says. They've heard sermons and homilies, but they've never heard the word of God. There are a lot of your neighbors similar that go to church quite regularly, but they have never heard the word of God. If you and I who have God's word and know what we should be doing with it, don't do it. There's no other, nothing left. The direction of this current age is clearly apostate. The world is growing worse and worse. People are becoming increasingly intolerant of God's truth. They even demand that their churches cater to the sinful desires such as now the, the, the demand that there be uh, tolerance toward homosexuality in the churches. Well, who would have ever thought of such a thing as that? In general, 
Many people would rather hear a comfortable lie than to be disturbed by the truth. A message that flatters the sinner and makes him feel comfortable in his sin will never lack for an audience of avid followers. But God has called us to something much higher than popularity or human success. The word of God will prick the conscience and expose wrong belief and bad behavior. But it's the only way for a sinner to find cleansing and hope. Jesus said that men hate the light and avoid the light because it exposes their evil deeds. But those who live by God's truth love the light. So we must preach the word. Those who walk with God will appreciate it and will grow through it. Those who are inclined not to listen need to hear God's word more than they even understand. If you want to do something of lasting value with your life, if you want your life to count for something more than just you lived X number of days until you died, preach the word. Center all your Christian activity around this surpassing priority. The giving out of God's word, God's truth. Preach the word in your Sunday school rooms, in your Awana classrooms, in your musical presentations, in your visit with your neighbors, in your rubbing of shoulders with the folks you work with. Give out God's truth. Preach the word. People don't need to feel good. People don't need to be impressed by your dedication. People need to hear from God. What is it that Jesus said? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by Every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So preach the word. I want to thank you, Sunday school teachers, for preaching the word. And I want to encourage you every week, preach the word. Give God's word out. Some of you deal with very small children, little minds that are still growing and developing, that don't have the capacity necessarily to take in a 30-minute sermon of Bible truth, but a few little thoughts, a few little thoughts, little by little, little by little, their lives will be grounded in truth, and they will grow up to know the Lord And follow him. So preach the word. Every one of us. Every day. In whatever way we can. Preach the word. Lord I pray that you would make us to be faithful. Proclaimers. Of the word of God. In our classes. In our church services.
in our songs, in our homes, in our witness, in our daily lives. May all who see us, hear us, come in contact with our lives in any way, be touched by the message from God. Help us, Lord, to proclaim the word of God. For that is the only way we can be a credible church, a credible Christian in this world. Keep us faithful to thee, we pray, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.